It is Locked on Jazz for the 9th of May. Where does our top talent rank in the NBA? Where did they rank when the season started? And where do they come up on various metrics? And what does that mean for the Jazz offseason? Is there a home run to be hit of any player that might be available? We take a look at all of it coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms for you. So the last week of season and review shows led me to a few observations. One of which was that I thought the answer, having looked at Phoenix and looked at Milwaukee and looked at so Boston, we can dig into. I think it's relevant because of Danny Ainge, but it's probably not relevant to how we could build a team. It was really these kind of grand slam trades, that these trades that were made by these rosters to go get Chris Paul and, and Drew Holiday were the game changers. And the second thing that kind of led me was a, watching this weekend was watching the elite talent of each of the teams and then kind of wondering where does our elite talent rank in that realm and how does the top level of these rosters, which seems to, again, despite all the other conversations, the top level of your roster really matters. Now, Jokic this year has an MVP season and he doesn't have another top hundred player on his roster with him. And we see how far that can go. So you've got to have a collection of top talent, and frankly, that's where the Jazz were two years ago, was that they had just a bunch of guys with kind of remarkable years, um, and and frankly, a little bit this year too. And when we run through some of the rankings of this season, one of the things that will jump out more than any other, and really could probably be a headline of a show, is that Mike Conley's playoff demise derailed the entire season, in compared to Mike Conley's regular season excellence. Uh, and that becomes obvious here in a second. So that's so. What we want to look at today is first to be able to answer part two: is where do our players rank? And second, is there a player that might be available that would be classified? And remember, Chris Paul and Drew Holiday, when they were acquired, were probably thought at that point as thirty-five to fifty talent in the NBA. They both had come off kind of mundane years. Chris was getting older. Drew was sitting in New Orleans. You know in, you know, languishing in uh, losses. So we'll look at that in a second. So let's start with where our guys rank. On ESPN rank, when the season started, when they do their collective ranking system as a group, our two best players, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, ranked 18th and 25th in the NBA. Of the remaining eight teams in the NBA, 
Every single one of them had a has a top 16 player when the season started other than Memphis. And our highest ranking was 18. Every single one of them had two players in the top 27, at least, other than Memphis and Dallas. Dallas didn't have anybody with Luka. The Suns had the 13th and 15th best players. Dallas had the 4th. Golden State had the 5th in Steph, and then 27th and 37th. Probably Draymond would move now. We'll get to that. Memphis didn't have one better than 31. Miami, 16 and 21. Boston, 14 and 27. Bucks, 2, 19 and 22. That's how you build a champion. Three in the top 25. 76ers had 7 and 10. And we had 18 and 25. Okay, like eight. So if we... If we had advanced to this round, other than Memphis, we would have the lowest ranked best player. And we would be only one of one, two, three teams to not have a player in two players in the top, more than two, the top 25. Okay. So certainly we were trying to do this collectively. Andy Bailey, who you may follow on Twitter, does great work, puts together a collective, what I call wisdom of crowd drinking. Wisdom of crowds is the idea, um, on the simplest term, if you're at a state park and two of us walk up and guess the amount of jelly beans in a jar, the chances are we could be close, we could not be. If one of us gets lucky, we could be. But the idea of wisdom is the crowds, if I bring 100 people together and have them guess the jelly beans, and I take the average that that is an almost every single time going to be a better system of guessing the jelly beans than it is one or two people guessing. If you take the average, you'll almost always be closer in a wisdom of crowds. So if we look at the average of about, Andy does a nice job. This was of about five or six different rating systems. Um, LeBron, box score plus minus, all the kind of geeky numbers that are out there. Um, And, you know, he has, and he's done a wonderful job. We appreciate him. So box score plus minus EPM, which is, I think, uh, expected plus minus Raptor, which is the 538 system or might be ESPNs. LeBron is the 538 system and game score for 36 minutes. So he, he combines all of these systems together. And this is at the end of the season now. Okay, so this is at the end of the season. And we have the 10th best player in the NBA and the 21st best player in the NBA, according to these systems. Rudy's the 10th. Of the playoff teams, of the final eight playoff teams, all of them have a top 12 player, which we would be included in, except for Memphis. One, two, three of them have players that are in the top 20. Multiple players in the top 20. So only Phoenix, Milwaukee, Philadelphia have three play and Miami. Nope, just those three have three players in the top 20. The 76ers, the Bucks, the Heat, the Grizzlies and Phoenix have two players in the top 25. 
five teams, including us. So suddenly, Jazz talent looks okay there when you compare average of all of those things. Rudy is a top 10 talent, and the Jazz as a as with a 21st player in Donovan. Now, I think we all have to admit that Rudy's top 10 talent of the regular season, you'll see Rudy ranks much higher in LeBron, which really equates for defense, is not always as impactful as uh, D- Dalen is telling me that Raptor is 538 and LeBron is B-ball index. Okay. Um, I thought LeBron was somebody else's, but I'm going to trust Dalen because I didn't know. Um, so Rudy as a top 10 player in all of these metrics as a regular season player, I think we have to admit has less impact in the playoffs as he does in the regular season. And that's a real issue. Like, his he actually his lack of offense seems to become a negative and his defense while our defense was really good for the last uh four games of that series is not as just you know talented teams seem to do a better job against that if we look at the average um epm so you know effective plus minus and lebron things get Kind of interesting. And then we'll look at, using these collection of stats, what players in the top 50 are available. Because what this says to me initially is our top talent is a little off. Like, we don't have a top, real top 10 guy the way, you know, depending on the metric, Dallas, Golden State, Boston, Bucks, Philly have. We just don't quite have that top 10 guy. But our two guys are pretty outstanding. And so after we're done looking at these next two individual stats, which we'll just give a little bit of a different perspective, it's why the wisdom is a crowd has value. We'll look at what players that rank either in the preseason top 50 or in either of these two systems top 50 are available. And is there actually a home run grand slam out there? Monday edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. Located in Woods Cross, also in Logan, the Murdoch family has been in Utah for over 80 years and simply are not going to take advantage of the the climate right now to take advantage of you. That's really as simple as Blake says. We're not going to the grocery store. We're not going to church. We're not going somewhere else where we see someone who we grabbed an extra $5,000 from because we could right now. The Chevy lineup of trucks is unprecedented. The Silverado and the Colorado are absolutely remarkable. Then you have the SUV lineup led by the King Pubas, the soup, the Suburban, and the Tahoe. But it comes down to the Blazer, as well as the Trax and the Equinox for a great lineup of cars. Go check them all out at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. Stop by and have them take a look. If you want a VIP meeting, feel free to just email me first, and I'll set that up for you over at Woods Cross, at Murdoch Chevy in Woods Cross. NBA playoff series are all at an interesting moment, so let's check out our bet online lines for this. The Celtics are plus 175, so the Bucs are favored in that series at minus 165. Warriors are favored at minus 1,000 now with the John Morant injury. That's just such a bummer. The Heat are minus 155 with the 76ers plus 135, so that one's still close. And the Suns, are still a plus 255 favorite. A little bit surprised by that. Here's the odds for tonight's games. Milwaukee is a one-point favorite at home against 
Boston, the Warriors are a 10.5-point favorite against the Ja Morantless Memphis Grizzlies. Miami is a 3.5-point favorite against Philadelphia, and the Suns are a 6-point favorite against the Dallas Mavericks, who were super good yesterday. Uh, it's all brought to you by our good friends at betonline.net, your number one source for all betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball. Hope you got in on the run on the roses. That was fun. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting playoffs, esports, and more. All right, let's continue. So at uh, EPM, the plus minus stat, Phoenix has... Or again, looking at it, the Jazz have a 10th best player in the league in Rudy. Donovan comes in at 21st. Pretty interesting, by the way. When the year started, ESPN rank 18 and 25 for Donovan and Rudy. And that's, I think, where Don- Rudy will be again, if not lower. That once, and I think Donovan was first and Rudy was 25th. That once, you know, you have a playoff failure and Rudy gets hit by it so much. And then you look at the metrics and average, the average has him at 10 and 21. Effective plus minus has him at 10 and 21. Uh, LeBron actually has Le- as Rudy at fifth and Donovan at 38th seems a little extreme Uh, though. LeBron system really, really weighs defense. When you look at the players Um, are, you know, really, really weighs defense. So looking at EPM, you have, again, you have five only in this system. They actually only have five, four players in the top 10. They're still left, but Phoenix has two in the top 15 golden state has uh, Memphis has three in the top 30, 32. Um, Miami has two in the top 22. Boston has the seventh and then a bunch in the 40s. The Bucks have two in the top 10. Philly has two in the top 25. We've got a 10th and a 21st. Again, that would lead you to believe that our top talent matches up well enough and, and looks, and this, this is pretty encouraging. That, you know, now Rudy's the 10th. So that's what gets a little interesting here is that Rudy's playoff impact seems to not be as big as, say, Lucas, who, you know, didn't have a great year and doesn't come out great on these metrics, and Lucas is a top five, top two, top one player in the NBA. Uh, Over on LeBron, fifth for Rudy, 38th for Donovan, and then this is where LeBron's system has a little bit more of kind of not as encouraging other than Rudy's fifth, Um, but there are uh, five, six, seven, everybody but Dallas – in this system has a top 12 player in the NBA. And let's be honest, Dallas has the top two player, three player in the NBA in Luca. I mean, Luca's the best player in that series by a large, large margin. So Luca didn't have a very good year. His defensive numbers weren't good as LeBron docked him. Seems a little silly, but this is the one where it's a little different where, okay, our top five guys, Rudy Gobert and your top five guys, Steph Curry, John Morant, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Giannis Adetokounmpo, Joel Embiid feels different feels a little different. Um, so that's the only one. Then, you know, Donovan comes out at 38, which isn't very generous on this, but Memphis has two in the top 20. Phoenix has two in the top 25. Boston has that same collection. They actually have Al Horford in the top 10 because they like defense. Bucks, two in the top 20. Philly, two in the top 20. So in LeBron, we don't come out quite as well because our best player is Rudy, who just doesn't really rank his fifth. And, his Donovan comes out just as 38 because his defense gets docked. So that one, you know, you have to decide whether you like that. Some people really think LeBron's a very, very good system on this, but the overall takeaway here is top talent is what matters. You look at these guys, they all have top talent and our top talent is a defensive player who doesn't translate as well in the op- to offensively. 
And our secondary top talent ranking has them at 18th. The numeric rankings have them at 21st, 21st, 38th that we looked at. Not quite where I think we probably have Donovan ranked in our minds as a player. Um, but, you know, again, 25th is a little weak for your second guy if your first guy's not offensive, right? So that's not great. The question now is, can, and what was clear to me watching doing our research on Milwaukee and Phoenix is, is there a third guy that you can add to this? So if we go back to ESPN rank on the top 50 players in the league of available players, here's, this tells you two things. The first thing is this will tell you why we are going to incessantly be hit with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert rumors every single day. And I'm like close to just embracing them and deciding to talk about them every day on the show, because the fact is they're the only two really high level players that are available in the NBA. And the Mike Conley rumors will come shortly when people forget how poorly he played in the playoffs when they start looking at his season and how good he was. So here on ESPN's rank, so these are the preseason rankings, are the best players that in theory could be available barring something. But when you look at it, you just don't think the others could be available. Like I just, you know, you don't think Chicago's moving to Marta Rosen. You don't think. So Dame Lillard was eighth. He's probably not anymore. Russell Westbrook was 29th. He's probably not anymore. Zach Levine, who's a free agent, is 33rd. You'd have to convince Zach Levine that he wants to come to Utah in a sign-and-trade, and then you'd have to be able to create a sign-and-trade that doesn't involve Donovan or Rudy that Chicago seemingly is willing to take. In theory, Chicago probably takes it because otherwise they get nothing back um, for Zach Levine. <coughs> Julius Randle was 42nd. Tobias Harris was 46th. Philadelphia keeps winning, but I think they have a real financial problem. I think Tobias Harris is in play. Um, Mike Conley was 48th. We already have him. And Kristaps Porzingis was 50th. Okay. None of those are that interesting other than... <clears throat> We end up with the Kristaps Porzingis conversation that we had again um, the other day. If you look at the average Andy Bailey average rank wisdom of crowds, Mike Conley's 27th. This story is probably what jumped out to me more than any other during this research is that Mike Conley had an, a year that metrically has him near the top of players in the NBA. And for whatever reason, the matchup with Dallas in the playoffs was a, was a disaster for him. And he ended up shooting 38% from the field, 28% from three, He's never been a great playoff player, honestly. If you look at Mike Conley's uh, playoffs history, he's played nine. uh, Let's see. He's now played in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 playoff series. 
In his 14 playoff series, let's call it 13. Last year's one game against Clippers. His 13 playoff series, he's had one, two, three, four, five, six of them, half of them where he shoots under 40%. He shot 33% in the series, five of 25 from three. He was the number two off the bounce three-point shooter in, in all of the NBA la- uh, last year. Didn't make that. I do not know. Um, I'd have to check. I do not know that he hit, whether he ever hit a catch and shoot three in the playoffs. He was 0-4 going into, I believe, the final night. And you just kind of knew that would change, that he would get it going. And I don't know that he ever did. Mike Conley finished the playoffs 0-10 on catch and shoot threes. Like that fade is probably the biggest story of the playoffs. And we better be careful deciding to blow up the whole thing because this is what happened. If we got Mike Conley, who played Memphis in the first round last year, where he shot 47% and 55% from three, or Mike Conley in the seven-game bubble series against Denver, where he shot 48% and 53% from three, or his final playoff series with Memphis, where he shot 49 and 45, that's what's interesting is he had not had this rep. He'd had three great playoff series prior, and four of his last five had been amazing. To total, the Jazz win the series, but they didn't. And that's really, we can go look at a lot of other things, but quite honestly, your third best player ranked in the regular season 27th in average in the average ranking system, 23rd in EPM plus minus, 27th in LeBron. Goes and shoots 33% from the fleet on the field and 20% from three, and it's hard to keep on the floor. You know what? That's now should have we seen that coming? I, I don't see where you should have seen that coming, but that's the that's probably the primary evaluation system that we actually have to have here more than anything else is whether there was he was injured, there was something wrong, something with the matchup, whatever it might be. All right, we'll look at other players that are available based on the numeric metric system. That might that is out there. Today's show brought to you by Built. The new granola bar experience from Built is 15% grams of protein. Right now, only chocolate coconut with 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, four grams of sugar are still available. The others sold out because they're amazing. Coconut marshmallow churro and banana cream pie are still available. Those are your puffs. And then your regular great flavors of coconut almond, coconut, salted caramel, cookies and cream, raspberry, cherry barcia, and mint brownie are all available. For you, 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, four net carbs, four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. It is built. Use the promo code LOCK15. It's the best deal you can get out there, and you can use it on your entire order at LOCKED15 at 15 at uh, built.com. The questions coming in. Why don't you talk about how horrible and a liability that Royce was? Well, few things here. One is Royce didn't have a very good series. Okay, like that's fine. Um, he shot 40% from the field and 28% from three. He did not have a great defensive year at all. Um, he actually had a better defensive year, better defensive series, and he's probably giving credit for it depending on who he was guarding. But Royce O'Neal is not supposed to be one of your five best players. Like he's probably about supposed to be your sixth or seventh best player. So that's part of the reason. Like, it's a far bigger deal if one of your top three guys has a brutal series than if Royce O'Neal has a brutal series. Now, 
what often happens is in a fan base is you have a player you decide you want to pick on. And certainly, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith is everything that we had hoped, like Royce, o- like Dorian Finney-Smith is like this emerging incredible thing that's like right in your face that makes it ever so p- painful that, um, that Royce, you know, isn't shooting 45% from three. But I don't, you know, honestly, I'm not sure that I, I, I sometimes feel like, and you, you can disagree with me, you know your own, the, the, the Royce hatred or disgust is like an agenda. Like you've decided that you don't like Royce and you're going to pound at Royce because, I mean, that's just, it's not a, like he's supposed to be a great defensive player. I'm not sure he is. I, I'm not sure I think that the idea, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith is pretty interesting in that he's undrafted and he's that good of a, um, and he's that good of a, an athlete. That's pretty uncommon, but he basically played center. But by the way, here's some data on Royce. Let's make sure that we get a few things right on Royce's supposedly terrible playoffs. So Jalen Brunson shot 39%, 11 of 28 when guarded by Royce and two of 10 from three. Luka Doncic shot two of seven from the field and 0 for 4 from 3 when guarded by Royce. Dorian Finney-Smith was 0 for 6 and 0 for 6 from 3 when guarded by Royce. Spencer Dinwiddie was 6 of 10 and 3 of 5 from 3. So Spencer Dinwiddie gave Royce the biz a little bit. Reggie Bullock was 3 of 6. Dwight Powell's bigger than Royce and when he switched on him on the pick and roll with Rudy, shot 3 of 4. Like, I don't think Royce had a great playoff series, but I also don't, yeah, so that's why. If you want to know the answer to why the question was, um, why don't you talk about how brutal Royce's series was? Because I, I think it's actually not as brutal as everyone's making it sound, and it's rather immaterial. Um, in fact, like if you really want to get into it, so if we get into Royce's playoff per game shooting, and he takes his, what? Uh, I'd have to find it here. I don't think playoff series. So Royce went seven of 25 from three and shot 28%. So Royce took his, you know, took three or four threes a game, which is kind of what he always does. So that's not any different than what you expect. And if Royce had shot his 50% from three, he would have made three more threes the entire series. So you're complaining that Royce O'Neal's didn't make three more threes. That's what his number would have been if he shot his 40% for the season. He would have been 10 of 25 instead of 7 of 25. Okay? Would have been nice to have those three. Is that really worthy all that complaining? Let's, I mean, let's just make sure we know exactly what we're asking for. Here's the player's top 50 that might be better or might or top 50, top 50 ranked players that might be available in some way. So again, the wisdom of crowds, Mike Conley's 27. Chris Depps Brzingis is 37. Terry Rozier is 38. Zach Levine is 53. Wendell Carter Jr. is 55. Here's what's interesting. We're going to do this on the show tomorrow. You go look at the players ranked 50 to 100 in the NBA last year. It's crazy how different it is. Like as what we go look at the players, ESPN ranked 50 to 100 last year. They're not going to be, there's about 
20 of them that won't be 50 to 100 next year. And probably 10 of them will be in the top 50, maybe 50. So maybe the real question is trying to figure out in that 50 to 100 who the players are that are ascending. We'll do that tomorrow on the show. On EPM, Conley 23rd, Przingis 28th, Wendell Carter Jr. 50th. I don't know how Wendell Carter Jr. fits, but I love Wendell Carter Jr. I just think he wins, which he's never done in his career. So, like, it's a silly thing, but I actually like him. Zach Levine, 54, Damian Lillard, 57. And in LeBron, Przingis comes out eighth because they like defense. Conley, 27th, Lillard, 35th, Wendell Carter Jr., 42nd. It's interesting. So a lot of people talk about Malcolm Brogdon. I guess the theory is he becomes available because they got Tyrese Halliburton. And you can you put enough together for Malcolm Brogdon without giving up Donovan or Rudy that Malcolm Brogdon becomes your third player and can be your Drew Holiday or your Chris Paul. I'm not sure that I... I'm not as big a Malcolm Brogdon fan as some others are. I'll just say that. Um, I like him. He's powerful. He wants the ball a lot. Um, I guess my issue would be... um, I sometimes feel like he needs the ball more than his skill level should have him have the ball. Crazy efficient. Pretty good points game player. Um, not sure why he wouldn't. you wouldn't just pair him with uh, Tyrese Albert. Would be my quick thought on that. And I don't know... If, if you're moving him to give Tyrese Halliburton the ball um, and $21 million, I don't think you're looking at Boyan Bogdanovich as someone you want. He's got, you know, the answer would be you want out of his four years or three years left in $22 million. And so, you know, Mike Conley's not getting done unless we're unloading picks. I'll, I'll say this. I, I don't think it's the I'll, – I'll leave on this. This is a, a deep note for – We don't have many picks left. I don't think it's a crazy idea to go all in, bury a bunch of picks, try to hit a grand slam with a third player. If it doesn't work, move them all at the end of the year and you're reacquiring picks for Rudy Donovan and whoever you added in a manner that then you actually gain your picks back. But there's somebody else's. It then makes tanking difficult because you don't control any of your picks for the future, which is the downside of that theory. So, all right, that is Locked on Jazz for today. I don't know where that leaves us on whether or not we believe there's a Grand Slam player, but you can add that in the comment zone over on YouTube. Thanks very much for tuning in. This is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Go check out Locked on Today as your second listen.